Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life. One episode, one Monday at a time, here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful at what they do or are extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives, those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. Our guest today on the Maverick Mondays podcast is Rabbi Pesach Krohn. Rabbi Krohn is an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, author, speaker, and moel. The rabbi travels the world inspiring listeners constantly. With his intense schedule, how we got him on the show is truly a miracle. The rabbi is originally from Williamsburg, New York, and hardly needs an introduction from me, as he is well known literally worldwide. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Rabbi Pesach Kron. All right, so I'm sitting here with uh, Rabbi Pesach Kron. Uh, for those of you who do not know Rabbi Pesach Kron, he is extremely influential as he travels the world uh, giving speeches. He's a well-known author in the Jewish community, and it is my pleasure to introduce Rabbi Pesach Kron. Rabbi, thank you so much for being on the It's an honor to be here. So I want to start off, what does the rabbi do, for those who don't know? Well, I do three things. First and foremost, I am a mile. A mile means somebody who does a bris, usually on the eighth day, just this morning, I did a bris in a party room in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Congratulations. And uh, Thank you. And uh, it was very, very special. Um, the father said something that I had never heard before. I could not get over it. And uh, I was so moved by it. I asked him where he got this from. And he told me either he heard it or read it, but I was very moved. You see, as a male, I helped many people choose a Hebrew name for their child. Because many of the person that I do, the people are not religious, so they may know that they want to name me after a grandfather or a grandmother and switch the letters, you know, so that it's a boy's name. And uh, sometimes they don't even know what that person's Hebrew name was. But the Gemara tells us, Shema Gorim, your name has an influence. And therefore, that's why it's important to choose a name for, for from a person that had mazel, that had a good life, that was a nice person. And he said something fascinating. He was naming the baby after his grandfather, Mayer. Uh, actually, Baruch Mayer. This was this morning. This morning. And he said that the word for name is shame. That's the Hebrew word. But he said, but those same letters can also make the word shom, means there. And he says, when you name a child after someone, that's the direction that you want that child to go to. You want it to be like that person who you're naming him after. So the shame and the shum have a connection. Now, wow. I've been a male more than 50 years. I started when I was very, very young. My father, unfortunately, passed away when I was 21. And uh, I had to take over, and I supported my mother, my younger brothers and sisters. I never heard anybody say that. I thought it was fabulous. That's incredible. So the rabbi is, a, is an author. Right. So I've written countless, Hashem, 15 countless. books, 15 books, and I've spoken literally around the Jewish world. So there's a, a very well-known story about who the rabbi sent his very first book to. Apparently, when the rabbi was in school, there yes, was a teacher. Yes, that's right. That's a great story. about. Uh, he was actually my favorite teacher. He was our English teacher in composition and things like that. 
And uh, he told my mother when she came in the ninth grade for PTA that uh, Mrs. Cron, your son is a good writer, but he'll never write a book. So um, my mother said, why do you say that? And she's, and the teacher said, well, he's too religious. Nobody's ever going to read what he writes. And when the book came out, it was actually my second book. The first book was on Brismila. I didn't think that would interest him, but on Jewish stories, he might be interested. And I called him and I told him I had a present for him. And this was 25 years later after that incident happened. And I came to his school to bring it to him. And uh, I said, here, I, I'm sure you don't remember this, but this is what you told my mother. And I want to give you my first book and I'm going to autograph it. Well, he went crazy. He took his arm around me and he brought me into one of his classes. And he said, boys, I want to show you a former student of mine. He just wrote a book and I taught him how to write. Wow. So <laughs> let him think he taught that's, me how to write. That's amazing. But we became very, very close friends after that. And when he had his retirement dinner, I was the guest speaker. And of course, I told that story. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So the, those are the three things, basically, that I'm involved with. I'm, I do Britain, a male, a writer, and a speaker. So when it comes to public speaking, on the show, we've had a number of people who, who are motivational speakers. They inspire people in different ways and different facets. Um, so I want to ask not about what the topics are that the rabbi speaks about, but on a day when the rabbi himself is feeling unmotivated, does the rabbi... There is no such thing. Okay. How no can, such thing how can, a, how can a person get to that point where there's no such thing? Because, you know, there's so much to do in life and... Um, you know, if you really are involved in things that you love. Now, I love doing Brisbane. I love meeting the people. I love having the parents speak and then performing the bris for them. I love writing. It's so creative. I learned writing from my mother. That's really where I learned it. And I love speaking. I love, you know, it's hard to imagine. But when you're speaking for an audience, as I do in Israel every year for almost 2,500 women, and one thing I'm different than any other speaker, I always insist that all the lights in the auditorium have to be on. I'm not an actor. And I don't want all the lights focused on me because, you know, when you're speaking and all the lights are off, they're only on you. You can just see two rows of people. I didn't come from America to go to Israel to speak to, for two rows of people. I've got to see all 2,500 of them. And when you speak and you know that they're there to listen to you and everyone is pin drop quiet, there's no high like that. That's like hitting a grand slam. You know, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And I always try to tell a story and I use the story as a vehicle to bring out the lesson. So people ask me if I get nervous when I speak. I don't get nervous when I speak. I get nervous when I prepare because that's really, you want to be sure that you're preparing something that will be not only motivational, but inspirational. And, you know, there's, there's so much to do that uh, it's, it's, thank God, I, I can never say that I'm not motivated. That's such a blessing. In Hebrew, it is a blessing. In Hebrew, it's such a bracha. It is a bracha and it is when you do what you love and somebody once said if you work at what you love then you haven't worked a day in your life absolutely i can't even tell the rabbi how many important people on this very podcast have said of the very same you know the very same quote as that uh the rabbi works with struggling singles i think mainly girls um, right. who are struggling to find their their soulmate mm -hmm. our listeners you know jewish and non-jewish alike they may they may be in that same in that same boat uh, what advice, if the rabbi could only give one piece of advice for someone who's struggling to find their soulmate, what is the most important thing that they should know? I think, first of all, they have to know never, ever give up because all kinds of situations present themselves in life. And many, many times when somebody has waited many years to find the right mate, when they do find them, they say the wait was worth it.
most of the time. That's really what it is. So if for whatever reason right now you're not married and you're looking to get married, the main thing that I would say, two things. One, to pray. Always pray to Hashem. Pray to God. Whether you're Jewish or not Jewish, you always have to pray to God because we all have to believe that there's a God in this world and He is our Father and He takes care of us. That's the first thing. And the second thing is to be involved in chesed. The word chesed means kindness. And many, many of the holy books in the Svarim write that when you are involved in chesed and kindness, Hashem will return that chesed to you, will return that kindness and that favor. So you do for others, Hashem will do for you. With your esteem and your notoriety, or fame, so to speak, it seems as though you you can wear many hats. Uh, we had Rabbi Akiva Tatz on the show. Well, he's a genius. And he has he has his his niche, or he has his area of expertise. Does the rabbi have a specific area of, of expertise, or is it more of a broad spectrum? Uh, I don't know if I do anything with expertise. I can tell you this, <laughs> that when I listen to Rabbi Tatz, I can only understand the first half of the lecture. I'm, I'm lost oh, by the second lecture, by the second part of the lecture. He's a genius, and he's got a great sense of humor. Yes. He's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. But I, I don't know if I have any field of expertise. One thing I do, I love people. So that's my expertise. Oh, yeah, that can go a long way. Does uh, So the rabbi travels a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, about 15 minutes ago, the rabbi just got off a plane. From New York to Cleveland, right? Right. So does the rabbi have a favorite, a favorite place to travel to? That's a good question. Many people ask me that. I'll tell you some places that I love to travel to. One of my favorite is South Africa. Really? The Jews in South Africa are fabulous. The nicest people, the greatest accent. Really? And they all want to learn. They all want to learn. There are many, many Balichuva there. They're wonderful people. I love going to England. I go to England just about every year in Ella. I've been doing it for many, many years. Uh, it started, I had a dear friend, unfortunately, who had a brain tumor. His name was Sammy Hamburger. May he rest in peace. Father of many, many children. His father-in-law was the chief rabbi of England, Rabbi Emmanuel Jacobowitz. And when he passed away, um, I went there for the Shleishim. Of course, I went for the Shiva and flew right back. And then I came for the Shleishim, which is the 30-day memorial service. And I started an organization in England called PAL, Phone and Learn, where two people can learn on the phone. And over 700 people are learning every single day because of that organization. The organization is now 10 years old. So every year in Elo, which is the month right before Rosh Hashanah, I come there and we get almost a thousand people at that speech. It's just fabulous. It's all in his memory, in Sammy's memory. So I love going to England. I love going to Israel, of course, you know, for many reasons, but especially to speak there. And then when I have children and grandchildren there, now I don't have any children there. They're all back in America. Now I have some grandchildren there. My sister is there. So I love going there. I love going to Switzerland. I mean, the beauty of Switzerland is. Yeah. Just breathtaking. You can see, and this you can year, see God's handiwork right. at its finest. And I'll tell you where another place that I went this year for the first time to Norway in a town called Bergen. And they have the fjords there. That's uh, the most beautiful thing in the world. The lakes between the mountains. Just fabulous. So there's a sure. lot of gorgeous places and wonderful people all over. Does the rabbi have a favorite experience of all those places the rabbi's been to? Is there a favorite trip, a favorite venue that the rabbi can recall? That was his favorite. Or that's well, I don't know. It's hard to know what a favorite is, but certainly to speak in the Binyanei Ha'omah, which is like the national hall of uh, Israel, and that's in Jerusalem, and to speak for, like I say, 2,500, 3,000 people is, is an absolute delight, privilege, pleasure. It's it's just incredible. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the my favorite things in the world is to go to the Kotel, to go to the wall and go at night. I like to go at night. It's more serene. 
but if you're more connected to Hashem, and when I go to the wall, it's just, just especially if you go with children and grandchildren, there's nothing like it. So uh, we touched upon before that teacher that the rabbi brought the book to and and then made a connection with. How many situations has the rabbi been on the flip side? Meaning the rabbi has inspired someone and they have come back years later saying, Rabbi, I can't even tell you how much you've changed my life. Does that happen a lot? You know, it's a very hard question to answer because it happens so often. <laughs> and, and, and that makes it worth it. I always tell these people, the guy who just picked me up from the airport, he said to me, um, I'm not going to say his name, obviously, but um, he said to me he was thrown out of school uh, when he was in the 10th grade. He went back to school in the 11th and thrown out again in the 12th grade. And people in his family always asked him, who's your teacher? And he said, Rabbi Pesach Kron, because in the store that he was working, they were playing my recordings. And that's what he learned. That's the Torah that he learned. That's amazing. So it, it was just incredible. And he's the nicest guy today. He's a father of many children and he's settled and has a nice job. He's, he's wonderful. But every single day I get letters either from kids or from adults or from people who feel that somehow the CDs or the audio recordings. Now, there's a great, great organization the audience should know about this. It's called TorahAnytime.com. And they can go online uh, for TorahAnytime.com and over a million hours of Torah is learned by those people who listen to TorahAnytime.com. There are many, many speakers, myself included. And what happens is that when you speak, you can speak like I'm going to do here tonight in Cleveland. And if it was recorded by Torah Anytime, by tomorrow, it'll be all over the world. So thousands of people are listening. So that's a, an awesome, awesome responsibility. And uh, when you have that type of audience and you prepare and you're serious about what you want to say and you think about those things that not that are going to make you look good, but are going to inspire them so that they can become better, then you're going to get those type of letters. Wow. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't the rabbi's voice at the end of each? That's right. Yeah. Right. It's pretty funny when I'm introducing myself. Right. <laughs> my two sons. Right. For sure. Right. Um, so if the rabbi could go back um, and give himself a piece of advice, pick any time, what advice would Rabbi Crone give his younger self before he was the world renowned rabbi? Yeah, you Krohn. should have married your wife a couple years earlier. <laughs> 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 that, that's that's yeah. probably the best answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, uh, I remember one time I was speaking at a Sheva Rochas. A Sheva Rochas is those events that go on the week after somebody gets married. And uh, one of my children had, uh, I think it was actually one of my grandchildren just got married. And we had one of these Sheva Rochas events. And I said, uh, you know, I just wanted to thank some people before I actually got into the speech. And I said, I just want to say, you know, about my wife, I would be nothing without her. And she said, you're right. <laughs> so. So. so the name of the show, uh, Maverick Mondays, the idea of it is to kind of jumpstart your week. A lot of people have, you know, what we call the Monday blues, right? They come from the weekend or they come from Shabbos mm -hmm. and they're on a high and they love it. And Sundays is a nice time to relax or be with the family and friends. Comes Monday, they get back to work, they get back to school. And it's like someone who struggles at the beginning of the week to get out of bed even, or to go to work. What advice would the rabbi have for that kind of person? You see, I think a lot of things depend on who your friends are and who you're married to. Now, if you have good friends, uh, like even this fellow who told me, who picked me up in the airport, he said he was working in a job and he didn't want to go. He was thrown out of school. But the only reason he kept that job was because he knew the people were, were waiting for him to come because they appreciated what he was doing. So if you can... Um, have 
that type of family or that type of friendship or that type of relationship with people where they need you and you feed off them and they feed off you, that's a very good way to start the week because you want to get out not only because of yourself, because they're counting on you. And, and you wake up feeling wanted. Yeah, right, exactly. It's very, very important. It's so, very important. But also, you can't be too harsh on yourself, you know. It's uh, sometimes people are more morning people. Some people are night people like myself. Um, you know, I could work to two o'clock in the morning because uh, what I do is I take a power nap, let's say, almost every evening about, you know, 5.30 to 6 or 5.30 to 20 to 10 to 6. So, you know, sometimes the morning is slow, but uh, don't knock yourself. That's that's the worst. That's the worst. So, you know, it, 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 it takes a while to get into it, but... Uh, just to stay in bed is no good. You have to have a goal. Everybody has to have a goal. And um, like, for example, right now, the thing that's driving me, and sometimes it drives me, you know, a bit much. I admit that. But only if you're driven are you going to accomplish anything. Now, I'm writing a Haggadah. Haggadah Shal Pesach. Now, I've written a number of books for art school. They wanted I should write a Haggadah, but a little different than the conventional Haggadah. I'm going to be honest. I'm a yeah. little surprised the rabbi hasn't written one yet. Well, for years. Like, no, right. no, no, for years they were after me. But, right. you know, I was writing stories. And they said, take that milieu, take that the stories. Now, for example, I, I just told somebody this. I said, you must put this in the introduction. And it's something that's very dear to me, but it's very cute. And um, the religious people, the Jewish religious people will know this name, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was the father of the Muslim movement, the ethical uh, character movement. And um, I always say that the difference between my mother and Rabbi Sosalanter, and this is really true, Rabbi Sosalanter was once sitting at the Pesach Seder, and he said, oh my gosh, it's six months to Rosh Hashanah, we got to do tshuva, we have to improve, we have to repent at the table on Rosh Hashanah at night, you know, and I had a safer on the table, my wife, my mother said to me, Get that safer off the table. You can put chametz on it. No you know, Pesach is in six months. <laughs> so my, my mother's worried on Pesach. <laughs> She's worried on Rosh Hashanah about Pesach. He was worried on Pesach about Rosh Hashanah. They're one and the same. Yeah, one and <laughs> the same. The rabbi has been at this for a while in terms of reaching out to Jewish people and helping them. The Jewish people hit peaks and valleys throughout the years. Right. You know, we see it throughout history. As a leader, as a current leader of the Jewish people, where does the rabbi see us today? Are we in... Are we in are we standing on good feet? Do we need a lot of work? I'll tell you. A friend of mine just told me something very interesting. I mean, I've been doing this for years, but it was so nice to hear that the Novominska Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov Perlau from Brooklyn, said to my friend, your role in life is to find the good in Jews. And there's so much good. Now, there are many, many people who do things that are awful. There's no question. But um, Rabbi Wine has a great expression. Don't blame Judaism on Jews. Yeah. You know? So... Judaism is great, and there are many wonderful people who are learning a tremendous amount of Torah, who are inspiring people, who do a tremendous amount of chesed, who are role models. And then you have others, but you got to hang around the good people. That's one of the most important things. Every person has to have a Rebbe. Every person, I believe so strongly, even though you have to pay, I pay a Rebbe. There's somebody that I've been learning with for 40 years. I've paid him over the years more than I paid for tuition for all my kids, probably combined. But I have access to one of the greatest rabbis in the world. And he's brilliant. Sometimes I just sit there with my mouth open. Where does this man know all this knowledge? And he knows everything. And that's what a great person is. But when, you know, I get on, online, I get to Jerusalem Post. Sometimes it's so frightening because, you know, you hear about Hamas and you hear about Iran and you hear about everything that's going on. You know, you could lose 
you can lose your mind. So I try, you know, I see the headlines, but I, I don't want to delve on it because it's negative. And as far as the future of the Jewish people, there's a promise God says the Jewish people will always exist. And we've existed all the years and we will continue to exist. So I think that there are many, many good Jews and Judaism in America is flourishing. There are more children learning in religious schools, boys and girls, than ever in the history of the world. And um, Jewish schools all over the place and many people doing wonderful things. And I think if you concentrate and you stay close to these kind of people, you can make you know, the Jewish nation a better place. That's amazing. And if the rabbi could leave our listeners with one piece of motivation. Okay, I'll tell you exactly. The Chavetz Chaim says in his Sefer Avas Chesed, which means to love kindness and love doing good, in Perikid Beis in the 12th chapter, he said, not a day should go by that you don't do both of these things. One, do a chesed, do a kindness for somebody else. And two, learn something of Torah. And I think that if every Jew did that, now I have a book called The Glittering World of Chesed. That's the most recent book that I wrote. And it has sold many, many copies. You know, it's not like a secular book that sells, you know, all these kind of things. But the idea is do a chesed for somebody and learn Torah every day. I think you'll you'll feel a connection to Hashem. You'll feel a connection to the Jewish people. And you'll be proud of yourself. I love it. Rabbi Pesach Kerman, thank you so much for being a part of our show. It really means a lot to me. my honor. Thank you so much. uh, Maverick, I hope you'll do great. Thank you so much. Here are some great takeaways from this episode. One, there's no such thing in the rabbi's mind as an unmotivated day when you realize that there's so much to do in life, especially when you're doing things that you love. Two, a lot of the positive feedback the rabbi receives from people he's touched and inspired over the years comes from the fact that he prepares and he's passionate about what he speaks and talks about, and the topics he speaks on are not to make himself look good, but rather what others will most benefit from. Three, try and create relationships and friendships with people where they need you to give you a sense of self-worth. Four, do kindness and try and study every single day. And five, yeah, sometimes the mornings will be slow, as the rabbi himself said, but try and set a goal for yourself. Give yourself something to wake up to and look forward to and to work at. And when you finally achieve that goal, you'll feel so amazing. Thank you for listening. Hey, real quick before you go. If you happen to be listening to this episode on an iPhone or Apple product, please be sure to leave a kind review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Otherwise, be sure to check out more at www.mvpodcasting.com. That's mvpodcasting.com. Thank you.